Welcome to Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Rich. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. And I'm Steve. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to be going over the first three Hellraiser movies. So I uh, hope you folks enjoy. There are boundaries we have yet to pass. A box? Not just any box. And forces we have yet to learn. It opens doors. Doors to the pleasures of heaven or hell. His brother's bride. <laughs> her darkest secret. <gasps> where desires no man should seek. I'll do anything you want. Anything. Find evils no man could imagine. Julia! The blood brought me back. I need more. The border both have crossed, but neither can escape. Every drop of blood you spill puts more flesh on my bones. So, before we start talking about the first Hellraiser, I need to ask you guys an opinion question. Okay. What do you think it was that made Julia go through so much shit to where she would kill people? Do you think it was that bomb-ass sex, or do you think it was the mullet? Or, or, a, com- or, a, combination, or a combination of both, because it could be both. combination of both, because, like, look at her haircut. Dude, I, <laughs> I think, not to skip ahead, but I think a part of the reason why I didn't enjoy Hellraiser 2 so much was the hairdos were not as good as the first one. <laughs> Dude, I was, so... I was confused the whole time while everybody thought Julia was hot because I really did not think, like, she reminded me of the transvestite gremlin from the second Gremlins movie. <laughs> oh, I thought, what's her name, Kirsten? Kirsty. I thought she was pretty. Kirsty was pretty. Yeah, yeah, she was pretty. I didn't like her name, though. I was like, geez, way to try to be original but not be original. So I, I thought also the blonde, the mute blonde in the third one was pretty, too. She was pretty. But she, was, she just she had was no mute, personality. Well, no shit. She played a mute character. That's oh, wait, just... no. You said the third one. I, I, that was the second one. Yeah, no, Rich's... the third one was the one with the mute, right? No, the second no, one. No, yeah, the second sorry. one. Rich's, second. Rich's dream girl is a girl that doesn't say anything. So, Well, I got I got the next best thing. She's very, very quiet. She is. That, <laughs> it's, so weird that, it's so weird that you're with a quiet girl. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because you're loud as shit. you're loud as hell, Rich. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good balance. (laughs) All right. So, Hellraiser was released in 1987 and was written and directed by Clive Barker. It was based on a novella of his that was called The Hellbound Heart. It was his directorial debut, and it featured a woman named Julia who starts killing people to bring her dead bae, Frank, back to life. It was... Oh, pause, pause. Bae? Really? Hi, husband's brother? Side bay. <laughs> no, but just the word bay. That's disgusting. He's it's, using it as a joke. It's so a it's joke, not, So it's, it's acceptable. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. If it was in a serious way, then we, then we, then we attack. <laughs> there was no implication that that was a joke. No, he, he. Whenever he says it, it's because he's making fun of people who actually say it. Oh well, thanks, thanks for clearing that up, You're Sierra. Welcome. I'm sorry, Dylan. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's a, Frank is her her husband's brother, and she has an affair with him. But he sacrifices himself to this puzzle box, and ends up going to hell. But he escapes, and but he's like a weird skeleton creature type he's thing. Juicy. 
Yeah, he's juicy, and uh, the only way for him to like regain his full self back is to like absorb the blood of people. I guess he's like de- he's like degenerated, <laughs> and he needs to regenerate by killing people and absorbing like their blood and he's not tissue. He's, he's drinking it like. A Bloody Mary. I don't know. He's sticking his fingers in there and, like, fingers on the back of the neck. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was the blood that brought him back in the first place. And the particular puzzle that he happens to be playing with is Pandora's box. And it opens the gateway to hell. Yeah, they, they they never really classify in the first three movies that we're covering that it was Pandora's box. But you later find out that it is Pandora's box. Yeah, they just yeah. call it the puzzle box. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, she is, like, killing all these dudes. She's bringing them back to the house to pretend to sleep with them. But her heart lies in that bomb-ass sex and mullet of Frank. So she... Yeah, the mullet of Frank. The mullet of Frank. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's... All hell breaks loose. Yeah. The box opens. Cursed. And, uh... Kirsty. Uh, yeah, Kirsty, oh. who is the daughter um, of Julia's husband. I think she somehow, like, gets a hold of it and, like, reopens it. Or she, like, she discovers, like, pretty much, like, hell and, like, what Pinhead and the Son of Bites are. And at first, they're almost going to kill her. And then she realizes, like, no, I have someone who's escaped um, pretty much your hell. And then she shouts out, like, Frank's name because she ultimately catches Julia in the act of, like, bringing men back to the house. And she kind of, like, figures out, like, later what's going on. And then that's when, like, the Cenobites, instead of, like, coming for Julia, they're like, oh, we got – we well, we can't have anyone escape our hell. So yeah. we pretty much go for Frank. Well, I also, I also believe that um, in one of the movies, I think it was the second one, saying that if you were completely pure of heart – that they couldn't kill you and i kind of feel like maybe julia or not julia uh what's her name tristan kirsten kirsten really was pure and didn't really do anything wrong that's why of course pinhead isn't gonna come right out and say like i can't kill you he's always gonna have some witty thing to say but i feel like maybe the reason why she survived two run-ins with the cenobites is because um she was you know in the five percent that never did anything wrong in her life i don't know she just seemed like that kind of a character well, yeah after, he definitely... after they come back for frank though he they the cenobites do come after her but she kind of outsmarts them i guess they just pretty much like they love suffering so it kind of doesn't it, it's weird because like at the same time like pinhead does have like a sense of character and judgment upon others and like who he feels should be like punished more severely than others um but yeah, yeah the other ones the other ones don't really have like he's definitely the leader when it comes to them and um i was uh i was really curious what's the like you know how they show the anatomy books and how like the head was broken down in all the different pieces like where pinhead was cut was there any significance to that um uh, no i i don't think so as far as like maybe it was just a way for him to get that appearance because like I know in the beginning it it shows uh, even before like Frank gets ripped up it kind of does a little flashback of like Pinhead when he was that like soldier like general and like 
pretty much him fucking with the box, the puzzle box. I'm pretty sure that was the second one. That was the third one. Well, it was the third one. No, but I, in the second one, I, I think it should... Because the second one was also with the Leviathan. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. in the beginning of the second one, it shows him getting his head cut up pretty much by the Leviathan and the needles put in and everything. Oh, yeah, you're right, actually, Rich. Yeah, that was yeah. the second one. Sorry, I watched them all three together in, like, one <laughs> sitting. And like Which, I said, Doesn't like, it, doesn't it make it hard to differentiate when one starts and the other ends when you do that? <laughs> Yeah, especially because well, it's so late at night too, and I was just like so tired. I was like, I, right. I had a I had a newfound appreciation for these movies after I watched them, um, because when I first like you know I've watched them all over time, but I never sat down and watched one after the other, and mm. so I kind of felt like the whole series was just kind of like they really didn't have anything to do with each other. And then after I sat down and I watched them over the course of a few days, like one after another, like I realized that they do actually all intertwine and like kind of, you know, flashback to the other movies and everything. Yeah, they definitely it's it's just not like really like they don't go into depth with like trying to connect them. But it, there there is that little connection that is there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, Clive Barker, uh, he didn't have anything to do with the sequels, I believe. So, I know his name is slapped on there, and he does. All right, so he's in the first one. Uh, he plays the bum-looking guy who's covered in crickets, yeah. who eats the them out of the pet shop as and well. He goes back like that, and gets the puzzle fine. box at the end, doesn't he? From the, the yeah, yeah, fire. yeah. I have a question about the first one. Maybe you guys can clear up for me, since you guys seem to have watched the series more than me. When the when Pinhead. And the other funky-looking dude, the Cenobites, is that what they're yeah, called? Yeah, well, I only know one of them's name is Chatterbox, and then that's... The one that's, that like, with the teeth? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all um, just called Cenobites, just as, like, a general name for them all. Well, when they yeah. first when they first show up, and they, after um, the box is opened by um, Kirsty, they say, like, the box can open either heaven or hell. Yeah. It just depends, but it doesn't ever show it opening anything other than, like, hell. Well, I, I have something to add to your question, too, because they also say pleasure and pain, but whenever it shows any of them in the box, it's always pain. There's never any pleasure. Like, I wonder if I, it's, like, well, depends on how you open it or... Them torturing everyone, and, like, that's, that's their form of pleasure. Like, the Cenobites really get off on that. That's why, like... You'll you'll hear a pinhead. He'll be like, "Oh, your suffering will be legendary." This and that, because like he really that is his pleasure and the sound. No, but it, he no it, the way the context of how he says it wasn't implying that it was their pleasure. It it was implying it like was. even Frank in the first movie said, um, "I experienced pleasure and pain." Like, well, but Frank was into like weird, shit. rough sex yeah. type stuff. So yeah, I think that's that's I where he's coming from. <clears throat> For Kirsten, Kirsten, I was just curious about like. Does it actually open heaven or hell? Does it depend on the person? Does it depend on the way the box is open? Does it depend? That's what I. That's what I kind of took it as because if it's a puzzle box, maybe there's like a different way to solve it to where it opens a different way. Yeah. It never really explores that. Too yeah, because I, I just feel like it's a shame that they that they bring that up, but they never really go into the significance of that line. It's always pretty much they go for the circle, circular pattern. And I was wondering, is there a significance to them? Like, I noticed every one of them that when they rub their thumb over the circle, they always went counterclockwise instead of clockwise. 
I don't know. That's some like crazy detail. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it's it's something I picked up on, but uh, <laughs> I was wondering if there was any, like you know, it's a movie. It's definitely a movie that doesn't explain Everything. every aspect of it. Yeah, um, it leaves some know. stuff for you to decide. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's called Hellraiser. So if they did show a heaven side to it. I wouldn't really understand. I wouldn't care if they, they showed it, but kind of explained to it more, like, what are the rules to it? You know what I mean? Like, how how do you Well, nobody knows, because everybody, everybody who opens it dies. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though, is that, like, how can you say that, but every person, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, there's no proof that that actually happened, you know? The only proof well, may, is hell. May, maybe, maybe it's like what we said about the pleasure and pain kind of thing is maybe that is some people's heaven. You know, maybe they're that fucked up that that could be somebody's heaven. Well, you have to think, too, like, not to jump ahead, but, like, in the second one, the doctor became yeah, a Cenobite. Exactly. He became a Cenobite, and, like, he fucking loved it. He was, like, he getting was such a kick at it. it. He was, like, getting such a kick out of fucking just killing everybody and fucking with everybody. So, Which, he was he was a boss, but we should definitely wait to touch on that till later. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just saying, like... Yeah. As far as the heaven and hell thing, like maybe like that's what he wanted, and he got what he wanted in the end. So it just seems weird to me. It's a, it's a strange. This movie definitely is a strange concept type movie. So it's it's just yeah. oh yeah, so, yeah. It's it's very uh, all over the place uh, at times, and if you're not like really like paying attention to, I, I don't want to say every detail, but it is it is easy to get confused with what's mm-hmm. going on because I tried watching these movies. Um, when I was like seven or eight, and I just like, all right, Pinhead was always like an iconic character to me. So, like, you know, it was always something that was on my radar. Mm-hmm. But I think watching it at such an early age, I was kind of just lost in the shuffle of what was really going on, and just more visually, um, like, impressed and at the same time appalled by the special effects. Like, that's one thing I really want to get into is just how awesome. The special effects can be like uh, whether it be the monsters from hell that's ch- chasing Kirsty. Like at the end, like there's that one monster that's like his face is at the bottom. Yeah. He's almost like in the position of a scorpion. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was amazing. And a lot of like the gore aspects of like the ripping apart of the skin, like, you know, that's something that stuck with me a lot as a kid was seeing those scenes at such an early age. And, it was uh, it was actually pretty scary the first time I watched uh, some of the Hellraiser series. Yeah, uh, Steve, I totally I totally agree with you. I started watching these movies when I was really young too, and um, I I feel like that's why I didn't like the first one as much as I liked the other ones because it was more geared towards Frank rather than the Cenobites and Pinhead exactly. himself. But yeah. um, I felt like the style as far as the gore and like with how weird it was. If you guys have ever seen the movie Phantasm. Yes. Um, I felt like, you know, both those movies, like, together have that really weird kind of off-putting style where you don't really know where it's going to go. And if you, you know, obviously, like you said, if, you, if you're if you not sitting there paying attention and, like, follow exactly what's going on, you're going to be completely lost. Yeah, and that's why it took me some time to, like, Rewatch them and get an idea of what was going on because like I was like why does it you know as a kid you're like why does it keep coming back to this puzzle box like what what's so significant about it and then when you actually pay attention to details like you know it all starts to click in some way but yeah. I could see how certain things are you know unfortunately not explained and can get confusing 
Yeah. Like, I could definitely see that from a different point of view as well. Yeah, but I just, like, you know, like I said, the, the movie was visually, like I said, it had a visual impact on, on me, and that's why I enjoyed it so much. And I kind of do like a lot of Clive Barker's work. So oh, especially I, for it coming out in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I always thought he had a weird, demented mind, so this just kind of was right in that category. Yeah, see, I'm with you guys, too. I... I watched it, I was older than 7 or 8, but I was, I think it was in like 8th grade I watched the movies for the first time, and I watched them all, like all the ones that were out at the time, and I was so into them, but I didn't fully understand the story, it was more, like you guys said, like just appreciating like the special effects and those like yeah whoa pinhead, his personality is so cool, like in my book he's like second to Freddy. Just yeah, like, he definitely has a – he's one of those killers that really does have a personality. It's not just like, you know, a man behind a mask or something like that. Well, he's different from other killers, like iconic killers too because he had order and like mm, – Very he was, true. He was much more composed. Like yes. it wasn't just he was going around killing people. It was like he had this like professionalism I guess to him. If, yeah. If that's the word, if that makes sense, but and he, he doesn't really lose his temper too often either. Like, yeah, you know, in the three movies we watched, I think there was two times where he actually started yelling. Yeah, like the, otherwise, he's like you said, Dylan, like hundred percent. He's very composed. Yeah, so I guess that's what sets him apart from everything else. But see, for me, and I'll probably get shit for this. The Cenobites and. Pinhead were kind of what took away from the movie for me. Like, I liked the first one the most out of all of them because the whole Frank story I felt was creepier. Like, Frank as a character, like, his design was a lot more creepier to me, especially before he starts getting, like, his flashback and stuff, and he's kind of just this rotted, like, dripping... Oh, yeah. Yeah, um... But, like... Like, up till the end, pretty much, I, uh, I was, like, super into it, and there was a lot of parts that, like, psychologically fucked with you, like, Kirsty's dream when, uh, she, like, senses her dad's in trouble, and there's the, like, figure that's wrapped up in the blanket on the, uh, table, and there's, like, feathers everywhere, and it just starts- Crying like a baby. It starts bleeding through the, the, uh, blankets. That- Well, see, I, I totally agree, Dylan, like- it was it was too much to have the story of Frank and then also the Cenobites and that's why I said this was my least favorite was because like it it was two like really intricate stories that like they kind of were trying to overpower each other with it. Yeah, but it it's like bittersweet too though because at the same time you need that Cenobite story for the Frank story to make sense. Well, it would have been it would have been great if like the whole time he was talking about it, and then the last ten minutes, you know, Kirsty figures out how to open the box, and Pinhead shows up and drags him back to hell, and like that was the end of it. And then the second movie, they expand more on the Cenobites and what was actually going on, and them coming after, like yeah, because that that was another thing too is like they deal with the Frank situation, and Pinhead said, I think it's Pinhead or one of them says like this isn't meant for your eyes and they tell her to leave and she like gets out of the room and then the the one with its neck slit open i don't know their names but like yeah. comes up the, the steps chip. 
Yeah, it comes up the steps and is like cutting the wall, and the wall's bleeding, which I thought that was pretty cool. But, mm-hmm. um, like after after that, it just kind of like lost me, I guess, because I was so invested in the Frank story, and then for the last ten minutes, like by the way, we're gonna throw in all this Cenobite shit. Yeah. See, I I feel like we all appreciate the art style and all the special effects that they did in the classic movies. That's why we talk about them so much because in my opinion, CGI is what pretty much killed this genre. Like there's, there's, there's rarely ever a good horror movie nowadays because it's like, I, I watch them purely just for the story now because like people are like, Oh, that movie sucked. And I'm like, well, it had a good story. It just failed to deliver because like, they they're not creative anymore like what they did in the 80s and the early 90s you know they just got really creative with like making it look real and using all these different materials and see like playing with it and seeing what worked and what didn't work and like you don't have that anymore the thing that's so heartbreaking about it is that there's so many skilled special effects makeup artists out there that just just tear it apart and they can make the grossest thing in the world way better looking than any cgi out there but it's cheaper yeah oh, oh, we'll, we'll just use that on the computer instead it's so like. unfortunate because it and, and and watching uh like watching a special effects makeup artist is just it, it's a fun process to watch it happen and it's just it's so so unfortunate that that cgi has taken such a huge place in horror movies now, in any I, movies but especially horror movies yeah, I know this show kind of like, you know, I don't think it's around anymore, but that show they had on Sci-Fi Face-Off. Oh, yeah, it's still no, on. It's still on. We, we, we watched, watched it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, they actually like, just watch- did a, wait, was that last season that they did the Clive Barker episode? We watched, I think so, yeah. We they, did last, oh, they did a Clive Barker Oh, they did a Clive Barker Yeah, one? and they had to like create their own like Cenobite creature. What? Oh, that's really yeah, awesome. Like, <laughs> no, none of those were good. They like, they got shit from the judges. <laughs> they, they, oh, um, yeah, the judges were like, dude. This is the guy that made Pinhead, and this is what you're giving me? Like, come on. Well, it's kind of, like, it's shitty because I feel like before CGI, it, it is a money thing, because before CGI, there was this, like, everybody was doing, making movies for passion. And it mm-hmm. was like, they knew that they had to put so much into it to where... I think that's why there's so many, like, good results as far as horror movies from back then is because people really had the dedication to, like, go through the process of making it, not, like, oh, well, we're just going to go a simple, cheap, like, well, the, CGI yeah. and jump scares. Well, they, they, well, they're going to have a big money big money by uh, bigger, like, film industries to back them and then just not do as much work. Like, if you look at Halloween, that was filmed in... 20 days with a $300,000 budget. And mm-hmm. look how that movie turned out. Well, yes. see, that's, that's the thing, though, too, is that it's not even just just money, though, either. It's a lot of people don't want to sit and get their makeup done for 12 hours. And a lot of makeup, a lot of types of makeup take that long to do. If you're doing full body, head to toe, it takes anywhere from 6 to 12 hours. It could take even longer, you know, depending on what, what it is. People don't want to sit there for that. you got to think, like, Frankenstein's monsters makeup do you, like that yeah. was a lot of makeup to put on and to sit in and to work in and the heat and everything like you know so I mean I understand it in that aspect as well like but well it's that it here, looks but it's, so much it's, better it's really unfortunate because it's not like it's the money to hire somebody who knows what they're doing it's not about like 
the cost of like no, what I it know. takes to do yeah, that. No, no, I know. And, and, and you, you're looking at like you you look at movies like this and like the thing where like they used bubble gum and shit like that and made it look real. Like like the artists are like you know modern day Picassos and shit like that who are able to do this and it just ruins it in a movie where you're like all about it and you're into it and then you see a shitty CGI fucking yeah. thing. Well, it's that's totally what it, like boner shoot like done. <laughs> well, that's why I like it. I feel like people are either one way or another with this movie, but it's part of the reason why I really appreciated The Conjuring because, <laughs> like, whether you like the movie or not, the makeup in it was like amazing, and it was such a callback to like <laughs> Evil Dead, like that style makeup, to where. I mean, yeah, there were jump scares and, like, some cheap scares in there, but you still have to appreciate that they went the extra that mile that to... into that movie. Yeah. See, I, I had to, like, because I've always been a big fan of these Hellraiser movies, and um, I had to find something for, like, some contrast, so I ended up watching it with my eight-year-old little brother. <laughs> and I'm like, my mom might hate me for this, but my little brother's like, oh, I love horror movies and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, we're going to watch Hellraiser. And, you know, just like we were talking about before, when uh, Steve, when we watched it when we were younger, like, he didn't really know what was going on. At the end of it, he was like, it was cool, but it was really slow because of the build yeah. up And, like, you know, you got to pay attention to the story. But, you know, an eight-year-old loved it. And uh, he was like, how old is this movie? And I'm like... Uh, like 30 years and he's like what and I'm like yeah like it's just great it's exactly so, and it's it's cool that you actually kind of did that experiment you know just to see how he would react to it because um, yeah. it, it relates you know where like the story is hard to follow but what you're watching on screen like when shit does happen you, you can't look away because yeah. it's fucking wild yeah and I feel like. All right, so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to say, I feel like it expands more on that aspect for the second one because the second yeah. one has more of a. I don't want to say basic story, but like. It's not trying it's to more run straight, two different. Yeah, it's more straightforward. Yeah. There's one story going on, but it gives them room to focus more on like. The Cenobites and the everything. The Cenobites and like the psychological, like. Yeah. And also, what's in the puzzle box, whereas this one, it just kind of goes there for, like, a, a couple of scenes, and then it's just, like, yeah. back to, like, the real world. Whereas this really gets in more depth of the puzzle box itself. Yeah. So, yeah, before, you know, we, this whole talking about the first movie, we've definitely bounced around between all three. So do we have anything else to say specifically towards the first Hellraiser? Uh, I thought Frank was actually a great character, and I have to agree with Dylan. He was very creepy. Like the when Julia, come to daddy, first, come yes, to daddy. I was gonna just say that line, which is so like <laughs> he does it with Kirsty he too. He's so rapey he's with like, his yeah, niece. Yeah, I was gonna say it's Uncle Frank. Rapey. Don't you remember? He's me? a creep. Ooh. And I but, like um, you definitely get that sense that something more had happened like earlier because when Kirsty first sees him. Oh yeah, there was definitely more behind him just being a bloody skeleton. Exactly, it's like she wasn't even scared that he was like this bloody skeleton. She was scared that it was Frank, and like, oh shit, that's Frank. Well, you saw the photos that that um, what was her name, Julia, Mm -hmm. was looking through in the beginning. It was like him with women, and they were like taped up and bound and shit. It was weird. 
Yeah, he was definitely a hornball. Yeah, but that's the thing is, is it's like, was was it like consensual or was it something like not consensual because he was a fucking? He I feel like it was not consensual. I feel like no, it was. Exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like he he. He, look at he how like he looked was, at his niece and he's like, "Oh wow, you got beautiful!" Like, ooh. Well, look how he was with niece. Julia. He like pulled a switchblade on her and was like, "Fuck with Get me." The Maybe that's why it's going back to the whole like it could be heaven or hell kind of thing. Because this guy, obviously, when he opened up the box, he even said in the first one he didn't care which one it was. Mm-hmm. Like you knew which one he was going towards. Like, yeah, you know, it was no surprise that he ended up getting torn apart as soon as the box opened up. That's that's another thing I want to bring up, too, is, like, one thing that this movie does do is it jumps right in it. Like, the first scene, Frank's getting, like, ripped apart and shit. The hooks is so iconic in this movie. Mm -hmm. And Uh, the chain sounds, it just adds to the effect. Yeah. But that's one thing I liked about it. It it wasn't, like, a 20, 30-minute build-up before you know what's happening. It's, like... Right in the Don't first. Don't get me wrong. There, there was buildup, but it was enough of a, uh, for lack of a bad pun, a hook in the beginning to like definitely <laughs> to get you uh, in. Yeah, yeah. It's that funny was, too because that I was can't a dad like. Joke. <laughs> oh come on! It went perfectly. He said no pun intended, Sierra. It wasn't Rich. a dad joke. Rich, that made him even more of a dad joke. <laughs> Go oh, on, Stephen. I was just saying, I literally, I can't look at, like, loose chains without thinking of Hellraiser. Like, at at my uh, old job at Olive Garden, uh, we would hang the ice buckets up on these chains with, like, hooks. And every time I had to grab them, I couldn't help but play with them. Mm -hmm. And my one friend, uh, uh, she was also in the horror movies. I think one time I made a reference to it, and I was like, we will tear your soul apart as I'm playing with the hanging chains. (laughs) Because, like, I don't know. It's just, like, if I hear, like, chain rattling... My mind, for some reason, instantly goes to the Hellraiser films because mm-hmm. they're they're just that's like their main source of torture is those chains with the hooks ripping you apart and well, attaching pin, you to that the was box. Pinhead. I feel like all the Cenobites, like they they really don't expand on all the different varieties because Pinhead's kind of the leader. But that was definitely his bread and butter was the the yeah. chain and the hooks. Can we just talk about like another great great performance in this movie? CeeLo Green fucking killed it. Oh my god. <laughs> With his glasses and all. And yeah. Didn't yeah. it look like CeeLo Green? <laughs> it straight up, like, the first time he came on the screen, Ciro was like, that's fucking CeeLo Green! And I fucking lost it. So oh, any you sent me that photo, I was dying. Yeah, really any any like of him. you listeners who don't understand what we're talking about, who haven't seen this movie, there's a fat Cenobite that has these, like, black, almost like aviator kind of style glasses. And um, if you kind of just, like, turned his skin pigment darker, he would definitely be CeeLo Green. The best part, too, was I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. But in the second one, when it shows all of the Cenobites dying and they go back to their original form, he was like this skinny, like little kid. <laughs> no, no, that was that was no, the no, no, Chatterbox. That was Chatterbox. Guy with, like, okay. Lips. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was the kid, which I thought was actually really funny because I'm like, how the fuck does a kid become that? Like, I get the other couple, like, but like, you know, they kind of look their forms. Yeah. Almost sense. I but wonder if it's like how maybe- the fuck. You know, do you remember those the toys with the, it was like the teeth on the feet when you twist it mm. and it chatters? Yeah. Maybe it's like yeah. that aspect, like. I'm, I'm curious though to like, I'm sure there's some kind of like more like deeper lore shit to look into, but like how each Cenobite 
got their appearance because in the second one, Doctor Doctor. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't don't jump too far ahead. Let's uh, let's finish up the first one because I feel like we could talk a lot about what you want to talk about right okay. there. Okay, okay. But uh, if it makes if it makes you feel any better about this topic, I just showed Haley a picture of the fat Cenobite and she started cracking up, saying it was spot on. Okay. Was, post, it really is. I'll post the picture on on our Instagram after this episode comes out. So anybody listening, check it out. You can you can really get that uh... comment and tell us what you think. <laughs> I was gonna say my final thoughts though. Um, right before we get into like ratings and everything, um, I do have to agree with Dylan. Uh, Frank was, I think for me the Cenobites were cool looking. Whereas Frank was actually pretty scary for me as a kid because do you remember the first uh, when Julia makes the first kill and she tells Frank to leave the room and you see him crawling that, to yes, the body yes. out of the darkness? Yeah. Okay, as a kid, that scene really did give me nightmares. Like that was a fucking disturbing yeah. scene to me. So I just thought or, like they did a great job with the way they made Frank even look. even even the way he started to regenerate when he came out of the floor, like the arms yeah. first, him pulling himself out. Definitely hands down, like that's why I was so conflicted with this first one because like as much as I like the Cenobites, like they should have kind of focused more on one than the other and they kinda of tried to like throw them both together like in one movie, which like if they would have focused this main like the first movie on Frank and just brought the Cenobites in to like reap his soul back into the box, I thought it would have been a lot better. And a lot less, you know, conflicting and confusing. Yeah, the two stories were clashing, and I will agree on that without a doubt. Uh, Final thoughts, Dylan? Yeah, pretty much what Steven and Richard said. Um, <laughs> um I, I mean, the makeup and special effects and everything, without a doubt, are like some of the best I've ever seen. To this day. To this day. Um, there were certain parts, uh, like I said before, the part where Kirsty was dreaming and the part Steven brought up with Frank crawling, which I'm really gra- glad you brought that up because when we were watching the movie, I was like, I need to bring this scene up because it's fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was um, terrifying. Also, Clive Barker's cameo. He, he uh, the part where he's they're walking down the alley, Kirsty and her boyfriend, and she just looks over and he's kind of standing, staring at her like through the crack in the door. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of creepy too. Like I was like, oh, this he was, is that was a creepy character. It's fucking I really, sketch. I really didn't like at the end though, where he like turned into this fucking like gargoyle demon ass looking. Oh thing yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I just yeah, wished it was a hobo that wanted a toy. Yeah, or what he thought was a toy, and then he like played with it, and it just kind of happened. He well, just wanted to eat some him. crickets. Maybe for him, he'd win like a million bucks. Maybe he's a decent dude. <laughs> I, 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 I would have appreciated an ending more if he walked up to the fire, reached in and grabbed it, and then dropped it. was like, fuck, that's hot! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so what do you what do you think for ratings? Who wants to go first? I'll Not go, it. I'll go first. Uh, for, the, for the first one, um, I think I'd give it a 6.5, mainly for the special effects and the spooky and moments. The spooks. And Frank. <laughs> and Frank. Spooky monsters. And, oh, the mullet. Yeah, the mullet Frank is was a awesome. solid. The mullet is a solid three points on my 6.5 <laughs> score. Awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Julia's mullet. Which one? Julia's or Frank's? Because there was... He liked Frank's a lot, but he tried to convince me to cut my hair like that, and I was like, what? Why did, why did everybody think Julia was so hot? She was. She she's was. not. She's she, really I, I don't think so. I don't think she was. It was Dude, every... Yeah, it was the hair. Maybe it was with the with the times thing. Like that was hot. Like because I can't imagine anyone like 
Well, like, I even think like that, think some, like that that hairstyle was in them though, because like a lot of a lot of females had that hair at that point. Yeah, I, think I mean, it was like the mom hairdo of the eighties. You get a little poof in the front, you comb the back the sides, and then you just let the back do whatever it does. <laughs> I see you driving downtown with that mullet girl, and I'm like, I wanna fuck you. <laughs> We're actually gonna be holding a contest. Uh, whoever can get their hair cut that way and pull it off the best, you win a surprise. <laughs> send send your photo to us at Horror Haven on Instagram, and we will send you a prize. Direct message. I can't promise it's a, it's a nice prize, messages. but I mean, we'll we'll, fi- we'll figure we'll, something out. If you, we'll send hey, you- so, so, someone's got to be rewarded for that because to, for a haircut to get a haircut like that, it takes a lot. We doubled our right? You won't get money, but love. <laughs> no money. Love. Lot, lots of love. So Dylan's right. got a six point five. Yeah. I guess I'll give my ratings. So for me, uh, some of the negatives and the reason why it doesn't get like I won't say a ten. Or anything like, uh, or a nine for that matter, uh, was because of the conflicting two stories. They they really clashed with each other, and it kind of just seemed a little all over the place at first. But I gotta agree with Dylan. Uh, the makeup effects and some of the scares uh, were really up there. And um, for first time seeing it, even though I didn't understand what the story was, it left an impression on me as a kid. So I gotta give it a seven. Fair. Who's next, Rich? Oh, rock, paper, scissors? Okay, wait. One, two, (laughs) three. No, we can't do that without our video. Oh, okay. You almost got the blonde, though. Good job. (laughs) Uh, um, A rule for this week, Sarah, you only get one score. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, no no two ratings. (laughs) Three scores. I'll go go first just for you, Sarah. Okay. I'm going to have to give this a hard, stiff four inches. And, um, just... <laughs> How many of those inches are for the mullet, though? Um, three. Okay. But, uh, no. Uh, just, <laughs> I gotta give it, I gotta give it a four. Sorry, I'm full of bad jokes tonight. Um, gotta give it a four, because, like, don't get me wrong, anybody who hasn't seen this movie should watch the first one before they watch the other ones. But the conflicting stories and... The the story about Frank was overpowering in this when I'm more about the demon and the box as, aspect. Um, so because of the special effects, which were great, and the makeup and everything, like it, it got me a four. Tear it apart, Sierra. <laughs> I'm not gonna tear anything apart. Right. One oh. fucking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Before I give it a score, um, my overall thought on this movie is not my favorite. <laughs> series at all like I'm not a huge Hellraiser fan and I remember watching it as a kid too but um and I thought I was gonna like it more than I feel I'm feeling like a little let down like when I watched Chucky I felt really let down I'm feeling that that feeling again I'm still bitter about that Chucky thing by the way yeah I know you are (laughs) I'm sorry I wanted to like it but um I feel that unlike Chucky this movie um had a lot better artistry in it I think it was um Mm-hmm. I think that the that the man who made it was v- very much into the story, and I think it's very interesting. It's just not my style of movie. The makeup was beautiful. Everything was gorgeous. I'm just gonna give it like a three point five though because it's just not my style. Not not my thing. All right. So for your uh, math whizzes out there, what's the average on this one? 
Uh, 5.25. I think that's you already. Oh, Dylan, you're quick on the draw today. I was adding him up as everybody was talking, but Haley didn't give her. Uh, <laughs> Haley didn't. Haley, give her. what do you what do you think? I didn't watch it, but a five. Uh, uh, wow, you're good. You guessed disregard. it right. <laughs> Yeah, I gave it a three. You that, that brings it down point. That brings it down point oh five points. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she watched the second and the third one, so we might be able to uh, get a little something out of her later. All right. We won't ask her any other opinion for the uh, the movies, but we'll, we'll ask her overall rating now. <laughs> Wait, Rich, can you show her the mullet if she hasn't seen it? Yeah, give her. Can t- show tell her the mullet. To Frank her mullet. To- yeah. Frank. Frank's mullet? Yeah. All right. No, no, show right, her both and ask her for a you got, You for can't leave mullet. out Julius. You have to do a smasher pass with the uh, both mullets. Yeah. Smasher pass. All right, hold on okay. a second. So. This could be the best. This could be the most important rating on this episode. You know, look at, looking at it, it's kind of like Frank's mullet is kind of like a reverse mullet. That doesn't really look like a mullet, no. All right, well, that's, that's Julia's. Oh, hers? Pass. Oh, she's passing on Julia. What? Oh man, the, the total mom mom was lost? Was lost. That's not him. Yeah, it is. Though Frank though is a smash. girl. Don't she would smash that. Frank. No, don't switch, do it, girl. Don't do switch it. Switchblade and all. Switchblade and all. Yeah. Right on the wedding dress. <laughs> right on the wedding dress. It's almost like a '70s porn haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Like definitely, I was waiting like for the, you know. Yeah, while they were like getting it on in the in the sex scene. Yeah, yeah, those luscious curls, yo. (laughs) Somebody jelly. Hell, curls, curls to die for. Come to daddy. All right, Hellraiser two. Hellraiser two. The power is reawakened. The fear is reborn because they have returned. Time to play. Hellbound. Hellraiser 2. Brace yourself for terror you have never imagined. Your suffering will be legendary, even in hell. All right, so this this set place in an insane asylum because after what occurred during Hellraiser one, Kirsty gets dropped there, and they think she's insane because she's telling the truth about the demons and everything. And uh, nobody wants to believe her, but then you find out later on the one main psychiatric doctor that's trying to like supposedly help her actually has like a secret study and a secret like almost fetish for this that he's been like trying to follow and track down for a long time and um it just kind of it escalates it has some sort of story with a girl who's in there who is just study like for some reason they say she's only like the only thing she does is solve puzzles which i feel like the psychiatric doctor like put her in there to like just solve puzzles because he was trying to wait for like his chance to like get her to open the puzzle box yeah which ends up happening and then they all go into the other dimension but there was one thing i was really confused about that i maybe you guys could clear up for me when they go into his study for the first time there was three boxes in there Mm -hmm. yeah you're right 
Did anybody see that? There were yeah. three boxes in glass cases when he went in there. Maybe I wonder were, if like, there's like three different cursed boxes. No, because they were all completely different. They weren't the exact same. But um, how how did he know which one? Like he obviously wouldn't have known which one was real until he like had the girl. What I'm wondering it. is if there's more boxes similar to that that may open different types of things. That's what I'm thinking. But they never expanded on that in any other movie. It was always the same Cenobites, and it was always the same kind of deal. Well, maybe the I, other ones bring you to heaven. <laughs> possibly. I mean, it's a possibility. Unfortunately, they don't explain it, so we, we as but viewers will... I'm, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who noticed that there were three boxes, because when I saw that, I was just like, what? Yeah, I definitely noticed them, too, and I was wondering if they were tied in or connected to the first box, but we we will never know, really. Yeah. <laughs> this this box brings you to a world of hot babes, but I want the hell box, so that's going, yeah. on, that's going on the shelf, and uh, hell box. Hell box. So, yeah, yeah he... He, they go into the puzzle box or like hell I guess um, the puzzle box brings them there and Julia who the doctor kind of resurrected the same way she had brought Frank back in the first one is kind of like running things I would say yeah well she's trying to sacrifice a soul to like pretty much the hell that's in the box is a labyrinth and they say she said that the person controlling the labyrinth is the Leviathan, which really made things interesting because throughout the series, you always thought that Pinhead was the one in charge and everything. But as soon as the Leviathan comes into play, he's like a powerhouse compared to Pinhead. Wasn't he just like a like a black light? Like it doesn't really show well, him. Though. It was like, yeah, well, it was like, um, well, it did – like if you paid close attention to it, it did because what happens was it was like – it was the box that turns into like a, a, a diamond kind of shape. Yeah. And then the doctor gets sacrificed and pushed into it and he pokes his head out that you know he became a Cenobite like almost everybody who dies in the box becomes. And then the Leviathan attaches itself to the, the top of his head. And that kind of, like, amplified his powers as a Cenobite. Okay, so that was the that, Cenobite that, that was on the top of his head? No, that was the Leviathan that that's was what on I the meant. That's what I meant, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, like, that's what I thought. And and it, it just, like, because, I mean, when the Leviathan comes in and starts fighting the other Cenobites, it was like, you know, a fifth grader taking on a bunch of kindergartners, man. He was just wrecking shit. Yeah. And oh, yeah. He, he had like these crazy like tentacle like fucking razor and could do, yeah he could do whatever he wanted to do and like since it was a doctor he had all these like really bad like doctor puns and everything but uh, <laughs> I but, love like, I love those one liners I love when yeah. uh like when they're in the like the hell that's there and they were in like one of the hospital rooms and he comes bursting through the like giant bay windows and it, mm-hmm. it totally looked like a fucking final boss in a Resident Evil game. Like, oh, yeah. Just burst, just burst through and just, like, swaying around, like, ha-ha. And they're like, oh, shit. Like, sure. This is fucking but, but, Resident but, Evil right here. Yeah. Julie even said, too, she's like, this, this is my god in, in here. He's like the controller of the labyrinth. It's the Leviathan. And it's just like, 
once again, another thing that they didn't really expand on because tour like it it made it seem like the leviathan he was the boss like you know and even in all the other hellraiser movies he's never brought up again but it it just made it seem to me i don't know if i'm the only one who had this impression that he was actually the one like that that entity that like he was the god of the box yeah yeah that's that's what i got from it but it was definitely awesome, you know, him being a doctor, a bunch of scalpels come out. And, he, oh, another thing, this was when I said before that in the beginning it shows Pinhead's head getting carved and the nails being put in it. It was the tentacles of the Leviathan that was carving the lines in Pinhead's head in the beginning. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah I know, Dylan. I know I'm right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, that that's kind of like... <laughs> Touching it more on um, what I was bringing up before was, I wonder if there's more to the story as to how each Cenobite got their appearance, because the doctor, you know, the thing that goes into the top of his head was very reminiscent to the, like, drills and stuff that he was using when he was doing brain surgery, and he did have, like, the scalpels and everything, like... So his kind of reflected who he was. So it makes me wonder how all the other Cenobites reflected who they were. Yeah, they never explain the other ones, but it does touch base on that in the third one because yeah. they, they do become something based on their characteristics of like what they were in life. There were a lot more um, more eerie scenes in this than the first one too, like um, – for example, when they brought Frank back and it showed, like, his hell and there was just all the bodies under sheets bleeding and, like, moaning. Yeah. yeah, they were moaning at first and then they became, like, the dead things underneath the sheets. And he even explained, like, this is my hell where, like, they're willing, but then when I pull the sheet off, they disappear. And, like, yeah. Yeah. And I, it also, that's hell. He can't be rapey. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> it, did, it did expand on that, like the aspect that everybody has their own hell because as the doctor is walking around with Julia, he's looking in like different windows and everything. So like, it seemed like every soul that was trapped in the box, if it didn't become a Cenobite was just like trapped in their own hell. Yeah. And another part that I really liked with this was, um, probably like the most iconic, like screen cap from this movie is, uh, with the dead body that says I am in hell come help me like written in blood on the wall and yeah. it pa- it basically sets the movie in motion because Kirsty thinks it's her dad like asking for help yep. and that's what kind of pushes her to go into the box and like try and save him but it turns but it's out a rapey Uncle Frank yeah that bastard <laughs> he's a creep I can understand someone being scared of him He's totally got those rape eyes and just fucking the mullet. Daddy, like <laughs> now his mullet was Julia. gone in this one, which is digged it though. Continuity error. Frank died with that mullet. It deserved to make a comeback in his hell. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> that mullet should have lived on. <laughs> Another thing that um I thought was really cool that they kind of touched on <laughs> in the first one, but not really the importance of the skin. Like Pinhead's always talking yeah, about, flesh. yeah. It, Pinhead's always talking about skin and flesh, and um, 
in this one, no matter how many, you know, people like Julia absorbed, you know, she needed the skin and like, it it showed like the very last person she absorbed the skin, like finally like connecting and everything. But then the scene where like, you know, the hole in the wall opens up and it's like a black hole. They grab Julia's hand and the, the skin splits apart and like, she goes flying through it and like just the pile of skin is left. Yeah. Like, which Kirsty happens to put on later because even it threw me first where, where she goes to help the mute girl who's like about yeah. to fall and you're like yo when did like Julia become good and mm. then it was Kirsty that put on her skin the whole fucking time which I thought it was a cool swerve because like I don't know. know if I could do that that would do, mm, <laughs> why you love Leatherface though I was gonna I say do that love been, like, right up your alley Speaking... he, I, it doesn't mean I want to be Leatherface speaking of Leatherface <laughs> This movie, uh, one of the complaints I had with it was it did the same thing that um, Texas Chainsaw 3D did for me, where it turned the villain into kind of like a hero, almost. Oh, yeah, when uh, Kirsty discovers uh, Pinhead's past. Yeah, and he, like, Uh like, kind of, like, saves them from the Doctor. Well, it... You know, once again, it expands on that in the third one yeah, about know, his humanity because it. it yeah, I, because they separate. Yeah, well, I thought it was okay because it, you know, it showed that even though they were demons and put through all the torture, there was still like a human inside that like brought them to that point. Yeah, like but- even, like the whole time, Pinhead was saying like. I was always like this and like, this is about your eternity and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, they all actually were human at one point in time. And it kind of, it brought more depth to all the characters, I believe, even though like it's upsetting that they didn't really expand on anybody else's past, but pinhead, because it, it would be cool to know like what they all actually went through to like, got them to that point. Yeah. I yeah. That would be a remake like- coming out in 2020. <laughs> Yeah, especially when it shows like um the doctor <laughs> killing the other Cenobites and they go back to their human forms, yeah. it really does make you curious as to like what they were like before. Like that one chatter Cenobites. chatterbox man, when he turned back, he looked like he a sixteen year old kid. Yeah. I know it totally threw me off because like at least like I said the the the, the one girl and the guy that looks like CeeLo, uh <laughs> like they look kind of looked like what they turned into a little bit yeah. whereas like Chatterbox like oh it's a fucking kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't you know, know what they didn't have it planned out. That's why I I agree that it does add more like depth to the character, but for me like it makes what them makes it weak? W- no, not weak, but. A good killer in a horror movie for me is someone that has no humanity. Like, the reason Michael Myers, uh, a Leatherface prior to Texas Chainsaw, like... Freddy Krueger? Freddy Krueger. Like, they were just... Nah, I I wouldn't really say Leatherface, but they were just evil. Like, there was no humanity to them. Leatherface was manipulated. Yeah, there was no humanity to them, and that's what made them scary, because there was no reasoning with them. There was no, like, saving yourself, almost. It's kind of like, if you're involved with them, you're fucked. Well, there was no humanity with any of these guys, either. Like, Kirsty got lucky in the end, because, like, like we established before, Pinhead was the only one that had order and had, like, 
conscious thoughts and was able to like actually like that's what set him aside from them the other ones that like he was able to remember his past like even though he went through all that torture because we also have to remember like he always said eternity and forever and everything like that but who knew like like who knows how long the time would actually last in the box you know what i mean like because i mean in their time it was like what 40 50 years no, World that, War One, so it was like sixty, but yeah, it was sixty years just in that. But who knows? Like you know, in, like in every other show, like Supernatural or any any show yeah, that Supernatural, like Supernatural, it's like a year in hell is like or like hundred years or something like that. Yeah. Like it, it could have been like so. So the fact that he was able to remember his like you know human side and everything, it. I didn't think it showed weakness. If anything, I thought it showed more consciousness. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. And it does it sets up for the next one, so I guess I can see, you know, with them showing more his more human side because, uh, you know, maybe that's what they were going for. Even though it took four years to come out for the next one, I I was just with that. I was disappointed because I thought like once he had his like. He became human. I thought he was going to be able to actually put up a fight or have some sort of like, you know, um, I almost felt like it was kind of like an enlightening kind of moment for him. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like he rose to another level and had like, you know, and that he would actually put up a fight and then he just kind of like took it in the chin like a little bitch (laughs) the powers of that Leviathan, you know, just too. Yeah. Yeah. Which like which is another thing like. I, you know, the ser- as as good as this series is great, um, it kind of just picks up on things and then never kind of brings it up again. I'm sure that has something to do with also the fact that none of these movies are made by the same people. Yeah, could be. I I wonder how um how like the copyright and like the story shit goes, like the legal side of it goes when you don't <laughs> have the same like writer and director for all of them. Yeah, I don't know. Was it, it was it the same production company? Because I I noticed on the third one it was like, what's that one called? Like Dimension or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or um, like they all had different production companies too. So if like they like had to buy out the rights or something like that, each movie it was made, it'd be kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd also I'm also curious. I've never looked into it. I'm can almost guarantee it's somewhere on the internet but what clive barker's opinions are on the sequels yeah it's same because they do just slap his name on there i definitely liked okay when it showed like the doctor's secret experiments and like you have all those people locked up in the in the, like the confinement cells or oh, whatever yeah, on, the, on the basement floor yeah i thought that yeah. scene was really uh it was really good and it was very disturbing especially the one guy who uh who thought yeah. uh, Bugs Door was crawling on him, and mm-hmm. how he first resurrects Julia. He, he just handed the him the knife. Yeah, he just yeah, handed I thought that knife. scene was fucking gnarly. Like, holy yeah. shit, man. This guy is just so fucked up in the mind and disturbed, and he's just, like, slicing himself up. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. And then we get to see what he sees, so, like, it, it kind of just puts you in that moment where you're like, oh, well, now I get why he is... I mean, it doesn't justify slicing yourself up, but, like, 
It puts that visual in your mind, like, okay, that's what he's seeing. Who knows, man? If you were locked up for years in, in a, a nut room with a straight jacket on and for that long thought you had bugs crawling on your skin, I'm sure you'd be pretty desperate just to cut them off, too. Dude, no, I saw what kind of bugs those are. They're not just bugs. There's, like, maggots up in that bit. Maggots. Mm, yeah. I'd be slicing and dicing. <laughs> Sorry, no maggots for me. What did you guys think of, like, the very end with the, uh... I think it was, like, a cleanup crew that came in and the fucking... Oh, and he gets sucked into the mattress. Yeah, and the pillar comes up. I think Julia. I thought it was unnecessary. Um, because it, you know, it never... Never really expanded on it. Julia doesn't come back in the third one. Uh, The only thing I can say is, uh, the pillar comes out of the ground that has Pinhead's face on it, and then that's the pillar in the third one, but... yeah. So I guess like maybe if that happened, but without Julia in it, because well, yeah, who knows? Who knows if the hands was Julia? Maybe it was Pinhead who reached out and grabbed him in the end, just to resurrect himself in that in the pillar. That could be. That could be. I mean, they don't explain on it, but yeah. who's to say that it's not that? It's merely just yeah. It's it's speculation, and that's what's really genius about these movies is that. You know, this whole podcast so far has really just been us asking unanswered questions that nobody knows the answer to. And so it really leaves a lot to your personal imagination and that each person who watches this movie would probably draw a different conclusion about it. Yeah. Hashtag who them hands. Who them hands. Who them hands. <laughs> what them hands doing? Who are they? <laughs> All right. You guys want to get into ratings? I'm sure. I went first last time, didn't I? Yeah. Fuck, that means I have to go first again. Make everybody hate you, Dylan. Alright, I'm gonna go ahead and give Hellraiser 2 a solid 5. There was a lot of unanswered questions, I'd say a lot more than the first, and there was a lot of questions from the first that just weren't answered in this one. I think the aspect of the hell in the puzzle box was interesting, but I feel like they could have made it a lot creepier than just a bunch of hallways. But overall, I mean, the uh, once again, the special effects were great, and it definitely had those creepy moments. So I'll stay five. I think I went next, so uh, I'm going to give this... Uh, <laughs> I'd say another seven. It gets another seven. I like how it kind of just picks up right away after the first one. Uh, and that we do get to see what's inside the puzzle and it explains like their god also again uh this is just one another one of those that was visually striking for me uh special effects the gore but i will have to agree there are a lot of unanswered questions and i wish it would have gotten explained I also, I wish that Pinhead didn't get taken down so easily because uh, you know He's like the main guy. Yeah, he's pinhead. So to see him fall, even though it was to the hands of the Leviathan, I was kind of like, yo, fuck this doctor. Like, he don't run shit. Like, he may may look like a Cenobite, but he's not part of the OG crew there. So I was kind of just, like, fucking annoyed by him. But other than that, like like I said, it's it's a solid one for me. And, again, visually, it's just very appealing. So I can find myself watching it again from not, like, you know, a lot a lot but at least like kind of like a once a year thing you know i'll just run through you know the fucking uh the series especially because i know there's a reboot coming out and there was already one reboot garbage yeah i didn't get to see it but i know it wasn't the same actor who played pinhead throughout the the first nine of them yeah 
I'm kind of curious. I mean, I've heard bad things about it, though. I bought it I bought it on Blu-ray, like, when it first came out, and I, to this day, have not watched it. <laughs> it, it <laughs> Is it still in, like, sealed in the package? Yep. <laughs> wow. It's my really firm belief that when you have five or ten movies of the same kind with the same actor in it, don't start making movies with a different guy as the main character. It's just, it's, it's, I agree. It's not, it's not going to end well. Yeah, I I agree with that. But I, I agree with your rating on this. I'm going to have to give this one a seven. It was my favorite out of the uh, three. I liked the whole insane asylum setting. The fact that, um, they showed hell and everybody's individual hell in, you know, the box, I also thought the Leviathan character was really cool, and I really wish they would have expanded on that in other, like, later movies. Um, The Doctor, you know, it it, it was just... It was interesting that, like, you know, a psychiatrist was, like, so involved and, like, really enjoyed the idea of hell and, like, what was going on in there. But it took away from it that he was a too much of a pussy to open the box himself. But I thought, you know, like like you said, Steve, you know, the way Pinhead got taken down so easy, I was expecting like a big boss battle, like face off kind of a deal. And we we didn't get that. Overall, I, th- I thought this one, you know, had more depth than the first one. It didn't have so much of a clashing like, um, you know, story behind it. And uh yeah, so seven that bitch. What you got, syrup? <laughs> um, I feel like I'm seeing a pattern with these movies, and to me, it's like a decent beginning, strong middle, and then they kind of drop the ball with the ending, where with like not closing up loose ends, like not, you know, there, there's all these questions that you still have. You're not a hundred percent sure of everything, and I, I, I just feel like that is a little disappointing. Again, not my style of horror. Not my favorite thing. Um, I'll give it three and a half, four. Three and a half or four? 3.75? 3.75. All right. 3.09. What you got, Haley? Seven. She didn't watch this one either. She's lying. I thought you said she watched it. I thought so, but then I remembered she was sleeping. Don't count it. It doesn't count. The, the, the second one was the one I watched with my little brother. Okay. Um. So our average was 5.6875. So we'll say 5.7. 5.7. Okay. Boys okay. and Sierra. These are these are all very moderate movies, guys. <clears throat> Depends who you ask. I wouldn't say they're moderate movies cuz that's, you know, in Hellraiser 1, Clive Barker showed you his vision of a private hell. In Hellraiser 2, he took you on a journey inside the Inferno. Now, the terror returns in mankind's final confrontation with evil. And this time, it's going to be Hell on Earth. It is time. The Grand Coda Masterpiece Movie Hellraiser <laughs> 3 Hell on Earth. 
So pretty much it's based on a reporter who's trying to have a breakout story and she happens to witness this guy getting rushed into the ER that had a bunch of the chains getting dragged behind him. And as she runs in, the chains start going wild and ends up killing a bunch of the doctors in the room and everything. So she kind of gets sucked into this whole like story about trying to figure out what happened. Has this other girl that was at this nightclub, which was called the Boiler Room, um, has this other girl come and stays with her. And she's trying to track down, you know, this this statue that she bought her ex-boyfriend or that her ex-boyfriend bought for the club which was the pillar from the second movie at the very end that comes out. And um, this guy ends up getting killed because he the box is in the pillar and he ends up stealing the box out of the pillar. And I forgot exactly how, but somehow the reporter and the one girl gets uh, the girl had the box after the dude died. And um, yeah, so all of a sudden the the dude who owns the club jp gets like cut and some of his blood splashes on the pillar which awakens pin, pinhead spirit so pinhead starts talking to him convincing people to kill like kill people so like he could absorb the flesh and the blood to kind of become more whole and um so pretty much the same kind of plot as the original two killing people to make another person whole kind of a deal and um, the the difference with this one was that once Pinhead became whole, he actually was no longer in the box or confined to some sort of, you know, barrier that he was actually on Earth. And he, um, you know, he ends up killing a bunch, pretty much everybody who was in the club. And, you know, of course, I'm just kind of giving you a vague detail because, you know, I want people to actually watch the movie without giving away every you know point to it but and then it's the reporter i forgot her name uh joey joey yeah weird uh weird name for a chick but yeah so she ends up taking on the task of trying to take on pinhead and as pinhead's human side is also on joey's side trying to help her i think uh you know uh of course with both series as they get you know later and um they uh they start to lose that special aspect about them. They start to get a little. Uh, they start to get a little bad. Uh, <laughs> I did find some enjoyable things about this. One, uh, what was his name? Uh, J.P. Monroe. All right. I thought uh, he was a stereotypical uh, hot shot from the '90s. So I got a little kick out of his character. I was like, this guy is just screaming early '90s to me. Well, he also he killed his own parents just to get the money that of their inheritance, so um, he could open up this That's emo, right. emo thrash metal club, which had a very nice fine dining section to it. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> so that random. Was really interesting. What I liked about this one is, as we established before, that each Cenobite kind of has their own, like you know trait to them that they had in life and this movie expands on it when jody's camera guy friend dies he has like one eye is like a camera lens and when the girl who's constantly smoking cigarette dies she's kind of like the cenobite that has her throat slit open except she has a cigarette sticking out of it yeah like burn you with her touch don't yeah and then there was the one bartender 
who uh which i thought it was ridiculous that he's walking around with like a mixer like uh <laughs> yeah shaker glass just pretty much a human flamethrower. Yeah. I have to say, though, I did like the DJ that got turned into a Cenobite. Yeah. Uh, With those the fire mixtapes, like right? Stars. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? I feel like that was very New York of them. Because if you go into the streets of New York, you will find or come across at least five people trying to throw their fire-ass mixtape at you. I bought one For once. a quick $5 donation. At, was it uh, fire, Dylan? Was it? Yeah. And well, here's where they got me. They steal so, from you. It's horrible. So they're like, "We're gonna give you the CD for free," and I'm like, "All right." So he hands me the CD, and I go to walk away, and he no. goes, first he goes, "What's your name? I'll sign it for you, and I'll personalize it." Yeah, signs it, and then he goes, "Um, you think you could donate like twenty bucks to me?" And I was like, "Nah, yes. I don't have. I, was like, I don't have twenty bucks." And he's like, "Man, you gotta have twenty bucks." I was like, "I don't have twenty And he's like going on and on with it. I was like. Man, I don't. He's like, well, how much do you have? He's like, any amount helps. I was like, I give you five bucks. He's like, you can't give me ten. And he's like, wait, I'm like walking away, and he's following me. And then they're like, I'm not gonna get too much into it, but it, yeah. He paid him to leave him alone. Yeah, I gave him ten bucks. I got a fire <laughs> mixtape in the in the process. Yeah, that's that's their specialty. That's what they do in the city. So I feel like that was a good way of. Uh, Connecting uh, city life into the movie since it takes place in uh, New York City. So I I wasn't really a fan of the whole uh, human side of Pinhead helping you know helping Jody or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, out. I gotta explain it, how he becomes two separate people. So there's like the evil Pinhead, like the pure demon. Yeah, and then his human side pretty much comes its own person. Yeah, and the human side really just wants to confront. Uh, his evil side and um, you know at the end he ends up becoming whole again but I thought it was cool that like you know it showed how devious the demon side of Pinhead was when he starts talking about human dreams like how easy they are to deceive because the whole time she's having dreams of her father that she never met who died at war and you know, Pinhead pretty much pretends that, like, or I don't know if he, like, messed with her memories or fabricated it in her mind, but that, like, he got trapped in the box and she goes into this dream sequence that, uh, you know, it's her dad, she's meeting her dad, and she thinks it's a reward for her taking down the demons, and then the dad's like, well, they told me that you would have something for me that you wouldn't need anymore, and she's like, Oh, the box, here you go, because they established that Pinhead couldn't forcibly take the box from her. It had to be given to him. And They're then going to throw this new rule out. <laughs> yeah, right? So, and then, so she hands him the box, and then she's like, wait, how did my father who died before I was born know my name? And then it was fucking Pinhead. <laughs> like, yeah, re- really smart. My whole thing with the movie is kind of what Steven said. Like, you get to a point in every series where the movies just start getting really cheesy. And yeah. I feel like this was it for this series. And the Cenobites, the Cenobites were so, like, well, I understand they're creative and they, like, had to do with the, the characters that they were taking on. But they weren't that good. They were cheesy. Yeah. They and, and, and they weren't they, scary. They didn't like the, the lens. They the threw in a lot of one-liners. <laughs> yeah, and it was... It, it yeah. Kinda, oh, yeah, definitely. It wasn't Time to your close-up. Yup. There, yeah. no, yeah. there was no part of this movie that, like, genuinely creeped me out like the first two did. 
I really like the beginning part of like JP sacrificing the women he picked up to the statue and Pinhead coming to actual life and like killing everybody in the bar. Yeah, I was going to say the bar scene was pretty awesome when everyone's getting slaughtered. Like, and and, and very so... different ways too when Kirsty walks through or not Kirsty, sorry. Jody walks through the bar and uh you know, there's people with like pool ball like balls crammed in their mouth to death and like there were so many different ways that he killed people in the bar, but um I or just like turned into the ice cube that impaled the one yeah, that, girl that, that was, taking the drink. That was pretty cool. That was that was way out of left field. <laughs> but I I just I don't agree with you guys that like this is where the series went cheesy because I believe after the third one, I know we only went up to three on this. But after the third one, they started making Hellraiser movies that was more psychological, that didn't have to do with the main storyline, that was actually really good. Yeah, I do remember them getting more psychological. Uh, like, uh, which one was it where the guy in the beginning gets into a car accident, he wakes up, and yeah, like, yeah, that, um, surgery on his head, Inferno or something like that. And then there was yeah. one with a detective that was really good, that was trying to figure out this guy who was like, you know a mass murderer who's leaving clues for him called the, uh, uh, what was it? Can't remember. It's been so long since I've seen the later ones. Yeah. But like once, once they started steering away from the main storyline and trying to connect all the movies together, they actually become good again. So we're definitely going to have to follow this up with another Hellraiser part. Yeah. yeah we, I'm, I'm down with that. Cause the, I don't remember the later ones too much because I haven't watched them since like eighth grade, eighth or ninth. The grade. engineer, the, it was the engineer. He's trying to find this serial killer that was called the engineer, and that the, the those were my two favorite hell hellraisers of all time. Was the one you're talking about, Stephen, with the bridge where his wife yeah. dies in the crash, and then also with the detective where he's trying to find the engineer. Like they stopped trying to follow. Like because I agree that this one was totally like became cheesy. Because they were trying to like keep on connecting the movies together, but after this movie, I believe they start just going towards like their own entity of movie, not trying to like chain them together. See, that's where I'm gonna. I'm, I agree. We're gonna have to do a second part to this with the later entries because I feel like with the first two movies, the psychological aspect of it are where the movies are the strongest. So mm. I would like. To, that's what I wanted to see while watching them was them expand on that more because with how with Pinhead being as smart a character as he is and with them dealing with like the whole hell kind of like element I guess you need they to could have, have done a lot more exactly but I another thing with the third one too is again they are repeating the same story where there's this character who's not fully whole because something happened to them in hell so they need skin so they have somebody come and bring them people to kill so that mm. they can be come back to life and do more harm so it, it kind of got repetitive and watching all these movies in a row i kind of like zoned out for a majority of this movie because i just couldn't keep focus on watching the same thing again agreed but in defense of this third movie it was pinhead that wasn't whole and like him being brought into earth was kind of a cool aspect which i believe the bar scene of him killing all the people in the bar was probably my favorite scene out of all three of these movies and the fact that like 
they were all it's like an emo kind of like you know grunge kind of bar and you know the door opens up and they're all looking at this actual demon like wondering if if, if this like from J, the owner's room thinking is this like a show or what's going on and he gets to the bottom of the stairs and he's like you know shall we begin and then everybody starts kind of like worrying and then somebody dies and they all start panicking and it was an all out slaughter. Like I thought that was my favorite scene out of these three movies. It was it was intense and it was just like, you know, it showed Pinhead's actual power. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And did you notice um, also there was the baby doll that was wrapped in barbed wire. And uh-huh. I just uh, it was hanging out. It was like a prop. And then it came to life in the bar. But all I the also- props, all the props came to life. Yeah, but there were. I'm talking about the baby doll in specific because, do you guys remember the weird scene in the second one where it shows the baby doll and it's like lips are all sewn up and shit? Yeah. yeah. I just thought that was like a little cool like connection for some reason that it was for some random reason the baby doll made its way. Wait, where was that in the second one? Because I could have sworn the baby doll was in the third one. It was part of the statue. Uh, I think it was on the statue at the end of the second one. Okay. Well, what I thought was really cool about the statue, too, was that um, every time it killed somebody and Pinhead took a life while he was in the statue, it became part of the statue. So you remember how kind of bland and plain the statue was at the end of the second one. Well, when you see it in the third one, like how many people did he kill and how many souls did he steal? Because it's very intricate, it's very different. Where I do think this movie is strong is how I was saying before, how the second one kind of got ruined for me when Pinhead was, like, given a human side, I guess. Mm -hmm. They stripped him of that in this, and they had his good side and his bad side. And his bad side, like I said, like, there was no reasoning with it. It was just out for chaos. And you said that was a bad side or a pro side because you said you were into that. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like I said, that's a strong point that this movie had oh, okay. for me was uh, was that they had that like there's no human in him. It's just strictly like his bad side that there was no reasoning. He was out for his own agenda, and I thought that was a strong point that the movie had for me. But and I thought it also showed his smarts when um, he first realizes that he can't forcibly take. Take the box when she confronted him in the bar that um when she ran out onto the street he was trying to use the environment to kill her instead of himself yeah. like uh you know breaking down the electrical cables and then like you know busting a um a hydrant so the water was like chasing her with the electrical current um had a call a dumb bl- like sorry sorry to be like a dumb blonde kind of joke kind of guy right now but the good side was literally like he needs to come to you like and then lure him through the window in your apartment like why the hell did she not wait in her apartment with the box until pinhead came to her like she goes all the way across town to go to the bar and then starts running through the town, like trying to get back to her apartment. Like literally Pinhead's good side was like, he needs to come to you. And then you lure him through the window. And then she still like goes all the way right to confront Pinhead. I feel like that was the reporter aspect of her because she, she wakes up from that dream that she has and she looks on the news and it's utter chaos. And I just feel like, you know, that's, that's her profession is being a reporter. So, well, she called the, 
she called the camera guy and the camera guy put on the channel that she said and it was like some nude people dancing or something like that on the channel and the dude still got up and went what'd you get i this is another one where i really did not like the like very end of the movie how she like buries the puzzle box in the cement and then it shows oh. the building that looks like the puzzle box I like, oh what? yeah i love that really? i love that. <laughs> I, just, I like i thought it was I, a little weird i'm not sure i'm not sure if the fourth one expands on that but um i i thought that was like the high point for me i felt like that was probably the best ending of the three movies that we watched i mean it it's pandora's box it kind of like you know every person or everything that like they explain in one of the movies that like even if you didn't like your intentions weren't to open the box it was constructed in a way that would like guide your fingers and like make you try you know just like the way you rubbed it and everything like that so i kind of got the impression that the box kind of engulfed or like corrupted anybody or anything that it was around and the fact that she put it in a cement foundation and there was a hotel built out of it and when you walked into it the walls and the pillars were all like you know the style of the box i was really intrigued by that you always do like the weirdest stuff (laughs) (laughs) well oh sarah you're still in this i haven't heard you talk like 20 minutes I, like I said, I'm trying to watch what I say. Like yeah, you, was there any aspect you do? You, you do tend it? to get quiet when you uh, aren't a fan. Yeah, well, like it's better than saying a bunch of mean stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, doubt, no doubt. I I understand. I mean, it, it would lead more to a debate if you would kind of give an input. But so wait, going back to the whole hotel thing, Dylan, you weren't a fan. Steve, what did you think of the end where the in- interior of the hotel looked like the box? Ah. Uh. I was kind of just like t- until you you reminded me that it kind of takes the form or or like kind of taints whatever it touches. I was kind of like confused um, watching. I was like, wait, why? Why does the hotel look like this? And then I was like, duh, okay, yeah, it's covered by cement, cement and everything. And that makes sense because of like the whole statue that it. It, from the beginning, yeah. Like, oh, how did how did the architects know when it was buried? Yeah, that's what like, I, I kind of like. just lost my train of thought. And th- yeah. when I when I first saw, it, I was like, wait, how the fuck? What? No way. Yeah. <laughs> and now 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 looking when you explain that, it actually kind of makes sense. Um, it it was it was kind of like a you know a ha 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 moment for me like oh so ha sierra i i don't just like weird things i just have a different viewpoint on them you do like weird things though rich i do i do (laughs) you're gonna argue and then agree (laughs) let let my people be weird (laughs) yeah it was it was kind of a i had a little chuckle when i saw i was like okay <laughs> way, 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 to, way to tie everything in at the end. Now like, I feel like I, I don't remember what the fourth movie was, so I feel like after this I have to watch the fourth movie to see if they tie in that hotel to it. I feel like knowing I, the track record of how these movies have gone as far as tying up things from previous movies, it probably is never mentioned again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I, I, I think the fourth one's got to do with a hacker. A hacker. Uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. Like, it's been a while since I've seen the fourth like, one, but if I'm not mistaken. No, that's like the one of the newest ones they put out with Hellworld, and it was like the MMORPG and like... What? I don't think I've seen that one. It, dude, it's so weird. It's like, 
these people making MMORPG that's based on like the Hellraiser series, but what the Cenobites start like coming and like taking over the party and like killing people. And they start trying to throw all these, like, sawed-like twists at you where it's like, oh, well, uh, Pinhead isn't actually here and you guys are playing a VR game and nobody actually died. And then it's like, but Pinhead actually does show up and it just gets so fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be a funny one to go over. (laughs) But I'm sorry. If If I walked into a hotel in New York City and the design was that, I would just be... I would be so happy. I'd be like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> well, I think that would be cool. And as like, uh, as oh, now uh, you think it. Now you no, think it. No, 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 no. Not necessarily. Not necessarily the box. But what I'm saying, like, as an attraction, it would be kind of cool to to be stayed to stay at a hotel like themed on your favorite horror movie, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd just be yeah. fun. That'd be a blast. I don't know. It's like. I've always wanted to start, like, a horror movie memorabilia collection, and I've, like, looked into numerous things of, like, trying to buy Pandora's box that, like, actually moved in at least, like, one of the ways that it moved during the movies, Mm -hmm. and I can't find it anywhere. Oh, replicas are so expensive and hard to find these days. Well, and it's, like, not even... I follow a guy on Instagram that actually makes, like, horror movie replicas. Well, I've seen stuff on, like, Etsy and stuff like that, but it's not even, like, boxes that move. It's, like, they take a square piece of wood and, like, paint the design or stencil the design on it and want to sell it for, like, $200. It probably wouldn't be that hard to make a puzzle box similar to that either. Well, the way the way it moves, it I think it would be kind of intricate. No, but, yeah, but, I mean, like, if it was, like, something that was, like, because uh, I know the one way it moves, it, like, has, like, the, it's, like, circular and it has, like... What is it? It's like this, right, Dylan? It's like... like well, there's like the one where like kind of half of it opens up and then it slides open again <laughs> and it closes and then goes back down. The other way it usually does is like it like opens up in a star form. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And yeah. it turns. And it like turns and then goes back yeah. and it becomes square again or it becomes like ra- almost rounded. Like, like yeah, and yeah. And actually, so. doesn't it become like a really small like diamond shape but long? That was in, in the that was in the second one we were talking about. Yeah, you should get that one. <laughs> you should get that one. Yeah, anything so, else on movie three? So yeah, I'm not feeling a lot of love for this third movie. What do you guys think? I told any you closing remarks. <laughs> like I said, there were some things I liked about it. Uh, uh, again, one of the high points uh, was Pinhead's uh, slaughter scene in, in the bar. That was fucking awesome. Although the Cenobites, uh, they got a, they weren't as cool as the original. I thought it was cool to see them being made into Cenobites and a characteristic carried over to them. Like, okay, the bartender, even though it was over the top and ridiculous, like the bartender's got the mixer and he uses the gasoline to like blow flames. The see, I felt like that like, guy. Like when he's walking down the street, I felt like I could walk up to that guy and be like. Yo, can you make me like an old fashioned right now? <laughs> and like he would then like shake, 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 and like poured me one, and then like set me on fire. But it's but at poisoned. Least I, at, <laughs> at least I at least I would have had a drink first. <laughs> and then like I thought it was cool with the the, the DJ that got turned into the Cenobite, just throwing the CDs like Ninja Stars. Uh, I wish I would have saw more of what JPs as a Cenobite could do. 
Um, I really didn't well, care for his. He was a, he was a, he was a sacrifice to the statue though. He didn't become a Cenobite. Well, actually, you know, he kind of did because like him and his ex girlfriend. Oh wait, no, they, he he did become a Cenobite because he had the yeah, drill exactly. through his head. Yeah, it just we didn't really get to see what he could do. He was still like a, a fucking pervert. Yeah, <laughs> and his girlfriend's just like all she does is like burns you kind of when she touches you like it's like touching well, the hot ass well it it also came back to like pinhead saying stop like he was the one controlling them yeah so and he's like the oh the poor camera guy too to the play. camera guy sent a bite was pretty funny with his one liners and the one kill where the lens goes through the guy's head like it i was thought that too- was pretty funny and enjoyable in, in its own weird way it was too much though like everything that he said was a one liner <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I find it in an entertaining value where it's like, oh, this is really cool. Not in that aspect. More of like, this is hilarious. And like, what is he going to say next? Time for your close up. <laughs> yeah, it was, just, it was so tacky and funny. I, I just feel yeah. like there were some aspects of this film that were fun and enjoyable. But there were a lot of negatives to it as well. But I don't know. I mean, it, it was it was all right for me. Racier, what do you think? Of this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. You gotta give us a little feedback here. I, the series just didn't get me into it. Honestly, I was bored. I don't know. I, it's just not my thing. I don't... I'll say it. I've said it in every episode. I like more realistic horror movies. So this, like, completely is the opposite of my favored style. So it's, like, it's hard for me to really get into it. And the first one, I, I was like, okay. The second one, I was like... Alright, and then this one I was just like mm, No Yeah, Haley's nodding her head right now too Well, with the first part you said anyway she Because she only saw the one But Yeah, no, I, I it did, this type of horror Doesn't scare me um, The makeup, you know Is always a redeeming factor for these films But you can't rely solely on makeup The plotline has to be important And I feel like what I said before They always drop on They drop the ball with the endings in these movies And, and that's a disappointment I feel like they don't finish off the story as strong as they should. See, I really like the ending of this movie, despite everybody else not liking it. <laughs> <laughs> You're always a unique one, Rich. Ratings? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go ahead and give this movie my record-breaking lowest rating since we started this show. Whoa. And I'm going to give it a two. I think the lowest he's given up to this point is a five. So... No, VHS Viral, I think I gave a three. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to give this one a two. What I will say is that... There wasn't enough mullets. Them, not enough mullets, <laughs> definitely. I mean, the mixtapes were a fair... <laughs> the mixtapes were a fair trade-off for the mullets, but... We watched the three movies in order. We watched the first, second, third. The third one we watched last night... And I still could tell you more about the first two than I could about this movie that I watched most recently. It was boring. And I th- think that's that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Forrest. Uh, Steven! I, I guess I'll, uh, I'm going to give this movie a five, um, mainly on entertainment value. Uh, like I said, I thought some of the Cenobites... Their kills were uh, kind of silly, but fun to watch. I always like a fun kill scene, so <laughs> these had quite a couple. And also another high point was the uh, the bar massacre. I thought JP's character was highly entertaining for some reason. 
and but it did have its faults the storyline could have been better um and again i will agree uh sira the endings sometimes or actually not sometimes they they do lack mm-hmm. they yeah so it's it's not a it's not always a strong payoff so with that being said and also i i always thought it was a, a cool movie for its times in the sense of the early 90s where you could tell just with everything that's going on, it's like, oh yeah, this was totally early nineties. <laughs> was it? Was so it, I, this I was, one was it the early nineties? Yeah, yeah it, I think it was like ninety two. Okay. My so birth I, year. I was like, yeah. That, I'm the that's, oldest that's person right now. Mm. You are. I'm twenty five, guys. Old lady status. <laughs> Rich is twenty four. I'm twenty four. Shut Dick. the fuck up. Yeah, Rich is your age. <laughs> a year younger than me, friend. Alright. <laughs> so I guess my overall rating, uh, I'll give it I'll give it a five. Mainly because I was entertained and had a, a couple of good laughs. Uh, I, I like the retro nineties look and and the the bar slaughter scene was awesome. But other than that, yeah, nothing else really stood out. Yo, Steve, you and me are on the same wavelength, it seems like. I'm gonna give this one a five too. Um, the bar scene was definitely my favorite scene out of all three of these movies, pretty much. And, um, it did deliver when it started talking about, like, how, you know, and why Pinhead got split up from his, like, actual, you know, his demon side to his original side. The ending, I thought was interesting that, like, I felt like it could have turned into somewhat of a Shining kind of movie if they made a movie about a hotel that the whole hotel was a puzzle box and like some other shit was happening. So I thought that was kind of interesting that once again, they never really followed up on, but the Cenobites, the new ones that they made were just kind of silly. You know, I, it, it was one of those movies that it just kind of, it failed to deliver. It was one of those like one time watch kind of deals that you really don't have to see it again afterwards. Yeah. Early nineties still like I've seen worse early nineties horror movies than this. So uh, I'm going to go with a five. Rich, I have a request. If you do start this, like, horror movie collection thing, I want you to buy one of the mixtapes that that Cenobite threw. And if you can't (laughs) buy it, just make it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I hope it's, like, some Vanilla Ice kind of, like, rapping, like, just that. Stop. Like, all right, 90s 90s rap did have a breakthrough with, like, Big E and, like, Tupac and everything and, like, Wu-Tang Clan, but... There's also, like, late 80s, I mean, besides, like, N.W.A., uh, you know, there's just a, there was a lot of cheesy fucking rap going Dude, on. Dude, he was, he was totally throwing Beastie Boys CDs oh, yeah. the entire oh. time. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> All right, Sierra, tear, um, tear their soul apart. I'm not going to tear anybody's soul apart. Leave me alone. Um, I am going to give this movie a two and a half. Two and a half. Yep. That's I it? feel like no. I okay. can't. I can't rate it that much lower because I didn't. I wasn't fond of all, any of the movies. This, I can recall the first two though, and this one, I, it, it's, it just didn't draw me in at all. Where the first two, like, I had aspects that saved it for me. This one kind of just sunk completely. So, Haley, what did you think of the third movie, Haley? Did we watch this one? Yeah, I like the beginning. It was kind of gross, but I really liked that. Uh, 7.5. 
Woo! Coming in with yeah, the same. Her, her rating out of all of us. Her, <laughs> yeah, her her ratings are interesting, but um. I don't, I don't remember the movie. Yeah, thinking. yeah, we were all uh, well, we both were drinking, and she probably slept through some of it, and so. Well, the yeah. movie our ratings combined. <laughs> Without Haley was a three point six, and with Haley is a four point four. So. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh. I think this is the. We're first. gonna start. A, we're gonna start a viral campaign, and it's gonna be who is Haley? And who is Haley? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it'll be great. Who is this random girl that gives a rating and then <laughs> never shows yeah, up again? She, she she doesn't talk about anything. She just gives a rating for the movie at the end. There's um, going to be, like, Netflix documentary, like, series following, like, <laughs> investigations. I think that the third Hellraiser movie is the first movie I would not recommend people to watch. You said that about VHS Viral? No, I don't, like, watch VHS Viral because at least you can laugh at it. Like, this movie it wasn't even laughable for me. You didn't get the LOLs? No. <laughs> Sierra. I got the letdowns. Ooh. I guess this Let is one of those out where if you're a fan of the series or you've always wanted to watch it, then yeah, go through because there's like nine or ten of them, not including the reboot and not I including my eyes out. the new re- reboot that's about to come out soon, which I don't, I don't know if it's the same actor again that plays Pinhead. I don't think um, it is. It's a new guy. Great. I wonder if it's the guy from the the reboot from 2011. What was it? Pinhead Revelations. Something that's like what that. Cool. Here, yeah, here's my know. here's my final final thoughts on this. First one, great movie. Check it out. Second one, if you like the first one, give it a watch. If you liked the first two, but you feel that the mullets were lacking and you definitely could use some more mixtapes and camera eyes then definitely watch the third one and we'll let you know about the rest yeah to be continued to be continued yeah yeah, yeah we I'll are definitely gonna have a next part because once we have an episode that like these movies break away from just these you know trying to string this like forcibly string the story along uh, they have different qualities and different traits, which I feel like make them a lot better. So um, I feel I, I, I confident that the next episode of Hellraiser movies we're gonna have slightly higher ratings. About we might get more yeah, than a couple sentences out of Sierra. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I just uh. I, I think it'll be interesting, especially because I don't remember the later ones as much as I remember the first three. So to give them another watch and actually give an opinion on them. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. So whenever we decide to do, like, continue on, because I, I know we're going to have to break it up into two more extra episodes because, like I said, there's, like, nine of them from the original yeah. series. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week's Horror Haven podcast. Please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at Horror Haven Podcast. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Grindhouse films, which our resident Grindhouse expert, Steven, can uh, fill you in on. Yeah, guys. So next week, it's all about Grindhouse. Uh, this is a personal favorite subgenre in the world of horror. Uh, some of the films that we're going to be covering are uh, Lucho Fulci's Zombie uh, Pieces and the infamous uh, Grindhouse movie Cannibal Holocaust. So if you guys want to check that out uh, later in the week, so that way you can be on the same page with us when uh, we're recording the next episode. And please, if you have any suggestions or 
you want any questions answered about these upcoming episodes, feel free to leave any comments on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we love to hear your feedback. And thank you to anyone who's listened to the show so far. Uh, we have a great time recording it and putting it out for you guys. You're the best. All right. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Stephen. Thank you guys to another great episode. And hope all you listeners have a great night. It's been real.